And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. Between the sixth and seventh trumpets, Revelation offers an interlude of two witnesses. Join Ryan and Mike as they discuss how this inspiring but short story illuminates both the Christian mission and destiny. And you'll also learn why this is Ryan's favorite chapter in the book. Okay, well, Mike, last time we started working through the cycle of the seven trumpets and recognized that the seven trumpets retell many of the events of the seven seals working between the two comings of Christ. And yet now in the seven trumpets, you see a greater emphasis on the judgment of God as told from the Egyptian plagues, Mm -hmm. both for the purpose of pouring judgment on those who have taken God's children hostage, Mm -hmm. the forces of darkness, but also for the purpose of redeeming. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this question back with one of the, the fifth seal of why wait? And you learn from the trumpets that God is seeking to delay his judgment, ultimately to bring about penitence. So as we've worked through the seven trumpets, what we're going to do in this episode is work through this interlude mm-hmm. at the end of chapter 10 into chapter 11. Now, I'll go ahead and say at the beginning of this episode, chapter 11 is my favorite chapter of the book of Revelation. So I have been looking forward to talking about this chapter. So let's do this. Let's first talk through the very end of chapter 10. Mm-hmm. What I'd like to do is then work through just the narrative of chapter 11, and then we're going to talk about some aspects of the Holy Spirit that we learn in chapter 11. So let me turn it over to you. Take us through chapter 10. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit last time, but after the six trumpets, again, we get this interlude with the strong angel who comes down. I forgot to say, I think, last episode that this is a reference again to Daniel 12, and and at least resonance with Daniel 12, and so there's a strong angel there, and so it's very much in conversation with what's going on in Daniel. But what's particularly important is what this angel says. He, he stands on the sea and on the land, and he lifts up his right hand to heaven, and he swears by God, basically. But the, it, not just, it doesn't just say he swears by God. He swears by him who lives forever and ever, the one who created the heavens and things in it, the earth and things in it, the sea and things in it. And this is what he says, there will be delay no longer. Mm. God has been delaying his judgment. Absolutely but there is no more delay in terms of judgment and the full realization of his kingdom. So he says, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, the mystery of God is finished as he preached to his servants, the prophets. So we've, we've with this arc of judgment and the, the lack of repentance and God's redemptive intention with judgment, we, we've, we've started to be able to answer that question of, okay, why was there delay in the first place? But now we're going to start to see, okay, well, what is, uh, what, what are we to make of this delay? How are we to fill this delay? What, what does this mean for the people of God in the midst of this delay? And yeah, so I mean, if I, could say, if I could say it in another way, I think what you really learn from chapter 9, verse 20, down through 10, verse 7, is the purposes of God in the delay. Mm-hmm. What you see in chapter 10, 8 into chapter 11 is the purpose of Christians in the delay. Yeah. What we're going to learn is what are we to be doing while this delay occurs? Yeah, or, or maybe I'd nuance that just a little bit. The, the Both would fall into the heading of the purpose of God, 
this would be our vocation or role in the midst of that purpose. Yeah, much better said. Yeah, the work perhaps. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So so then, okay, what is our role? What is our vocation? What is our calling here? It says in verse 8, Then the voice which I heard from heaven, again speaking with me, saying, Go take the book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and the land. So I went to the angel, telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will make it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and in my mouth it was sweet as honey. When I had eaten it, my stomach was bitter, and they said to me, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. So there's a lot of stuff in there that we immediately would think, that's weird, what's that have to do with anything? The eating of the book is is drawing on the same thing that happened to Ezekiel when he was called to prophesy. Ezekiel 2 and 3, yep. In the beginning of Ezekiel. And so there's there's some significance in that connection. But for our purposes and, and just what we're what we're wanting to see from a big picture view of, of in Revelation, I want to just zoom in particularly on what's said in verse eleven. He said they said to me, You must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. In other words, keep preaching the gospel. Keep going out and and announcing the kingdom of God in the midst of all this that's going on, right? God's delaying his judgment. The job for his prophets, his apostles, his people proclaim the kingdom of God. Absolutely. And, and it's and it's that that then sets up this section in chapter 11, which is your favorite. So I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to just cue you up and, and let you go to town. And then Thank you. If I, I have said... If, I, for, if you ever take a breath, I'll, I may speak up, but otherwise... Well, I'll there will be a breath of life that will be given, okay. haha. But um, what I think is so amazing about this chapter, Mike, is this is really, I think, a reminder to God's people. Why are we here? What is God at work within us doing? I think that Revelation 11 is as powerful of a telling of our... God's purpose for us in this life mm-hmm. is almost any chapter in Scripture once you get the symbolism and see what's going yeah. on here. Mm-hmm. We've already talked in the book of Revelation how we are called to be rulers and priests, kings and priests. Yet you'll also note in chapter 10, verse 11, now John and I think other disciples are now called to be... Witnesses. Yeah, yeah. We talk of Jesus as the king, the priest, the prophet. We now are likewise commissioned as kings and priests and prophets. Mm-hmm. So what Revelation 11 is doing is really showing how does the church live out its mission of prophecy mm-hmm. in this time of delay. War is going on. God is responding with judgment. God is sovereign. He will, his kingdom will come, and we have full assurance of that. But in the meantime, this is the purpose of God for each of us as we live in this delay. Let me let me make one point of clarification, knowing that that you know, the different views about prophecy and what a prophet is. But just just for clarification, you're using that in a broad and general sense, you know, not in a specific sense of somebody who's supernaturally empowered to just blindly say things that are God's, right? Like, right. you know, you're saying this is, this is a person who is speaking God's word, who is proclaiming... Well, God's yes, word. I'm going to get into this in a second. Yeah, okay. This, yeah, the, I, and, 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 yeah, and I think it's interesting, Mike. And I'm glad you said this. Whenever I say that I am a prophet, I prefer you to call me Prophet Ryan for the rest of my okay. life. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really, I really prefer that title. Um, 
Please, we immediately yes. think, right? Please, we yes. immediately think, okay, that must mean that I'm receiving personal revelation from God and I'm a prophet. Right. Yeah. Well, that's not exactly how prophets work in the Bible. Right, yeah. And, 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 and I think what we need to recognize generally, and I'm glad you asked for this clarification, a prophet is one who speaks for God. Mm-hmm. That's right. Period. That's that, exactly. that is what a prophet is. A prophet is somebody who speaks for God. As you go throughout the Old Testament narratives, you do have the Elijahs and the Moseses that receive direct revelation and direct oracle from God, and they say that. But it's also interesting, especially as you go through First and Second Kings, you find this band of prophets that don't seem to be receiving personal revelation from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Rather, what they're doing is taking the oracles that have been spoken by others, whether it be Moses, whether it be Elijah, whether it be Elisha, etc., they're then taking these oracles and then speaking them to the people, speaking them to the rulers, speaking them to Israel and even to the Gentile nations. Yeah. So I think it is important to note, whenever yeah. we refer to ourselves as prophets, it doesn't mean that we've received individual mm-hmm. oracles from God. Yeah, We could have received the oracles of God that have been given universally through Scripture. Yeah, If you yeah. speak them and you're speaking for God, that's what the work of a prophet is. Yeah, and, and, and seeing... You know what was that prophet doing? It was he, he was he was wading into a oftentimes a culture that was at odds with God in rebellion yes. against God. Always and and in light of previous even scriptural revelation, let alone you know even even setting aside from that direct revelation that we often just sort of think of as the main thing. In light of what the scriptures say, in light of who God is, um, are proclaiming and calling out the the evil in the society. And, and pointing them to what is good and what should be and what God is going to do, whether Absolutely. it be for judgment or for, for restoration. Exactly. And, and, and exactly. realizing that, like, yeah, that's not this special, weird thing, but that, that ultimately is a vocation that, that every follower of God should take upon, should have at some, to some degree or another. Exactly, exactly. You know... Let, let me tell the narrative of Revelation chapter 11. I'm not yeah. going to take the time to read through the whole chapter, even though I would encourage everyone to listen to this chapter multiple times. It's, it's so rich. What you see in Revelation chapter 11 is two witnesses that come forward and prophesy for 1,260 days. These two witnesses are called two olive trees and two lampstands. We'll get into the symbolism in a second. They're given great power, yet their ultimate purpose is to speak the testimony of Jesus. They speak the testimony of Jesus, yet the forces of darkness then come and kill them. Their bodies lay dead for three and a half days until the Spirit of God comes and rejuvenates them and renews them. In one minute, that's the story of Revelation 11. Two witnesses come. They speak, and they speak the words of God and prophesy. They're killed for their prophecies, and yet that's not the end. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of God comes and rejuvenates them and gives them newness of life. Yeah. Okay? Let's, let, that's the basic narrative of Revelation mm-hmm. 11. Again, I would encourage everyone, read through this, listen to this chapter multiple times to get the rich details of what's going on here. But that's the basic narrative. Mm-hmm. Let, let's deal with some of the details here. Whenever you look at how these witnesses are described, verse 4, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Well, 
if you look back to Zechariah chapter 4, there's likewise two witnesses pouring forth words of life to a people that need replenishment. I think what you have here is you have the oil and you have the the, the oil for the lampstands mm-hmm. and you have the light that the lampstands are giving all to show this is the light of God. Yeah. The light of God that is given in his words is coming forth from the prophets. Verse 5, they're doing amazing signs. This, of course, is hearkening strongly back to Elijah. Mm-hmm. This, this is yeah. re- resonating so strong, especially with 2 Kings chapter 1 with what Elijah did. You and, then and, look at verse... And Moses. Go ahead, go ahead. Elijah and Moses, right? Yes. Elijah. Well, then yeah. you get to verse 6. Yeah. yeah. Then you get to verse 6. This is where not only Elijah, but also Moses comes mm-hmm. forth. Yeah. Moses comes forth with the plagues, right? We've read about the plagues. And we've read about the work of God in chapters 8 and 9 with the plagues. But now you see the witnesses likewise are given a power of God. But this is where I really want to slow down for a bit. Verse 7. When they had finished their... Key word here, Mike. Testimony. Testimony. When they had finished their testimony. Very briefly, I think whenever you consider the Old Testament symbols that are used here very intentionally, Mm -hmm. what you see John doing is describing all of God's people as two witnesses. Mm. This is the entirety of the church of all ages who are called to be prophets. Mm -hmm. What we as the prophets of God to do are to do as the faithful prophets of God, two faithful churches, two witnesses, so many overtones here, is we are to speak testimony. Mm-hmm. Again, verse 7, when they had finished their testimony. Mm-hmm. But then you get to the question, what testimony are they speaking? Mike, if you go back to Revelation chapter 1, there's a mm-hmm. few verses in Revelation chapter 1 that I'd like for you to read, because this is a key word of the book of Revelation and also yeah. to this chapter. Read for me Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and signified by his angel to his bondservant, John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Messiah to all that he saw. Again, notice you have a double testimony here. Witness and testimony depends on your translation. Same word in Greek. Um, Same root word, that is. So here you have the witness given to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus. Now, who is the Word of God? Yeah. Who is, you're saying? Yes, who yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, Christ. So, 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 so again, let, let's go into the larger Johannine corpus here um, in simpler terms. John's writings. The, John's writings. John's writings. John's writings. <laughs> Um, let's go into that. Let's go into John. That sounded so, so, so esoteric. Okay. So when you the look Johannine at. Corpus. I love this chapter. I love this chapter. Yeah. Um, whenever you look at the other writings of John, in John chapter 1, you have the Word of God who is Jesus, right? Yeah. In Revelation 19, Jesus comes back. In verse 11, his name is the Word of God. Right. This is clearly talking about Jesus. First John but then as you also work through all of the rest of the writings of John, in John chapter 5, you have five different witnesses that are given to the fact that Jesus is the Christ. Mm-hmm. If you work through 1 John 1, 1 John 5, 
Christians then are called to give witness and testimony. Much We're not eyewitnesses, we are earwitnesses mm-hmm. of what Jesus has done. Mm-hmm. Take this through the rest of the Johannine Corpus, yeah. and this is what you see. This yeah. is what you see. Jesus is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. There have been witnesses to speak to the fact that He is the Messiah. The Old Testament scriptures speak to him. The New Testament scriptures speak to him. His works and his miracles speak to him. The eyewitnesses speak to him. John the Baptist spoke to him. The voice of the Father spoke to him. There are all of these witnesses of Jesus. What I do as a prophet is I speak the words of testimony that Jesus is the Christ. Mm -hmm. What I am called to do as an evangelist, as a preacher, but also as a Christian, is to speak the testimony and the witness that Jesus is the Christ. Let me go back to a phrase I just used and camp out on it. We are not eyewitnesses, Mike. I have never seen with my own eyes the resurrected Lord. Mm -hmm. Never seen the Father seated on the throne. But I've heard it. I've listened to the scripture, and I have heard it. I am an ear witness. Mm -hmm to what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. While the kingdoms of this earth rage, while wars continue, and while the judgment of God sovereignly is poured, what I am to do is to speak the words of testimony that Jesus is the Christ. Let me me ask a question here. So I've I've not thought about this in the context of Revelation 11. I've thought about this a lot throughout John's writings, or if you prefer Johannine Corpus, I can, I can say that too. Um, so, so throughout John's gospel, you know, especially John 13 and John 17, and then 1 John will make the same thing. You know, yes, there's this emphasis on the proclamation, the announcement of, of Christ. Um, but, but ultimately, that's not just proclaimed, but meant to be embodied. Yes. By this you will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Yes. Um, those that, that I pray, Father, that they may be one as you and I, Father, are one, that the world may believe you sent me. And, and then even in um, Revelation, there's this emphasis on following the Lamb, right? The Lamb was slain, and we'll get into this in, in later parts of the book. So I, I say all that to say that, that in much of Scripture, the emphasis is not just on proclaiming some things, but on embodying the gospel. Yes, yes. Do you see that same, that same thing then at work here in, in uh, Revelation, uh, Revelation 11 as well, that is using the figure of the prophet, but, but realizing that like, the, the bigger picture is, is this life that is giving testimony to the, the, the gospel? Chris, oh my, oh my gracious, yes. I mean, if you go into the Pauline corpus and you look at Romans chapter 10. Paul's you know, letters. <laughs> if you Paul's look at letters. Romans chapter 10, Paul there quotes from Deuteronomy 30, where it talks about the word is not way up yeah. there, it's not way down there, it's in our hearts. Right. What then do you do with it? You live it, you do it, you embody it. Mm-hmm. And I think, Mike, that, that's why I love this chapter so much, yeah. is it's a reminder The world is continually going to rage, yet, above everything else in life, I need to live out, I need to speak to, in word and deed, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. 
I, I know we're short on time, so let me get to yeah. the end of what happens here. The world re- re- revolts against these two witnesses with fury and kills them. And yet, in verse 11, after three and a half days, I didn't even talk about this. The symbol there of three and a half comes from Daniel chapter 7 through 12, showing an incomplete time. Mm-hmm. It's half of seven, it's 42 months, it's times time, time and a half. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's, it's incomplete. Mm-hmm. It's not yet seven, it's an incomplete half time. After three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them. Now, Mike, we know, what is this? Who is this breath of life? Yeah, it's the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enters them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who came to them. Mm -hmm. What you see in this is even when the world kills us for speaking to Christ, the Holy Spirit is still going to resurrect us. Mm -hmm. We have seen Jesus at work time and time again in the book of Revelation. But we, as God's people, need to rest assured the Spirit is at work in us. Mm -hmm. When we are living out and speaking to the witness of Jesus, that's the Spirit of God at work in our lives. Again, it's not that I've received personal eyewitness testimony about this. It's not that I've received a personal voice of God in my head. It's I've listened to the voice of God in Scripture, and I'm speaking to that. That's the Spirit of God. It work within my within within my own heart, Absolutely. and then as the Spirit of God continues to work within me to sanctify me and transform me, even at the point of bodily death, I know the Spirit of God is going to come and raise us from the dead, who raised Him from the dead. Absolutely, we can rest assured not in the passing spirit of this age, but we can rest assured in the eternal Spirit of God. And when we get that. Our allegiance to this world order is going to fall, and we are going to give total allegiance to the Lamb who has given up His Spirit for us. Absolutely. That's what Revelation chapter 11 is all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you close it out then, verse 15, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever, and amen. And it's followed with this great, doxo- this great uh, doxology, this great praise. And then you get to verse 19, then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the Ark of the Covenant was seen within the temple. The temple had also come up in the first three verses, I think, showing the presence of God. What, what, what I think you see, and this is going to be my last comment, and I'll let you close this out, Mike. Mm-hmm. What you see in this bookend of the temple in Revelation 11, in the old, under the Mosaic Covenant, God's presence dwelt with his people at the temple. Mm-hmm. Now, the presence of God is dwelling with his people by the Spirit. Yeah. We as prophets are the vessel of God's presence on earth. We are the temple of God where God continues to tabernacle among humanity when we live out lives of the Spirit with full assurance that the Spirit will then come and give us resurrected life. Taking Revelation altogether, then in one sentence, here's what I would say. We listen to the voice of God and speaking it out, empowered by the Spirit. That's really what Revelation 11 is exhorting us to do. Close this out. I, I just think, We'll, I'll just read the seventh trumpet and let the resolution of the section give us the resolution, right? We, we've Sounds talked good. about the six trumpets. We've talked about this interlude. Let's just hear the seventh trumpet in its entirety because this is what it's all aiming towards. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. By the way, that's like, one of the biggest mic drops in all of Scripture. Right? Mm-hmm. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces 
and worship God, saying, We give thanks to you, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are, who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The whole plot of the Bible is coming to resolution in these verses that I'm reading. And the nations were enraged, and your wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged and to reward your bondservants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple, and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to You podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Next time, on the surface, Revelation 12 tells of a nightmarish conflict between a dragon, a woman, and a child. Underneath is an inspiring message of the victory of God. In this episode, Ryan and Mike will first explore the story of Revelation 12 and then explain how the message gives hope of victory. Don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media. Until next time, and for all time. Your God reigns.